several years ago when we were pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee, and I was the youth pastor there. I was invited to speak at an all-black Baptist women's conference, and there were approximately, I don't know, seven, eight hundred women there. I was the only white little girl in the place. Now, let me tell you, when they said Pastor Jan McIntyre from Ridgeway Assembly of God is our keynote speaker, come on up, and I walked up, I kid you not. I saw women start to scrunch down in their seats like, oh, dear God, how are we going to get through this? And I told them, I said, I played into their hands. And I said, I'm so honored to be here today. We're just going to see a move of God. God wants to touch your heart. God wants to bless you. And you know, our young people, they bring their friends and they always say, it's okay, my friend, because Pastor Jan preaches like a black preacher. And they looked at me and I said, can I get a witness up in here? So let me tell you, don't judge a book by its cover. You don't know what God may have in store for you. There are some preachers that they may not lift their voice. They may just bring the word and God powerfully moves through them. But then you got crazy people like me that's going to just be all over the place because I, I can't be still. I used to tell our young people, I think I had ADD, but I was never good in math. So I don't know that I had ADD. But I just believe God has given me a word for everybody here tonight. Not just for the teenagers, not just for the young adults. Thank you, young adults, for being here. Can we give our young adults and our teens a hand? What a beautiful, beautiful group of people. And I know God is going to touch you tonight in a special way. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I step back and I ask you, Holy Spirit of God, to come in and speak through me, not one word more or one word less. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 14, beginning in verse 22, it says, Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home, after sending them home, he went up into the hills himself to pray. Night fell while, they, while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far from land, for a strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus comes walking toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him on the water, they said, oh, it's a ghost. They were terrified. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. I am. It is I. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat, walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And he shouted, save me, Lord. That is a word for somebody right there. So... <clears throat> Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. He said, you have such little faith. Why do you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. 
Then the disciples worshiped him and said, you really are the son of God. Tonight, I'm talking about water walking faith. Anybody want some water walking faith? You see, when Jesus came walking on the water, I don't know about you, but I was thinking about this as I was praying today. And I was thinking about when Jesus was walking on the water, I just pictured this calm water that Jesus is walking on. But it wasn't calm. The miracle was twofold. He was walking on the water, but the waves were crashing back and forth. And Jesus was walking on that water. So I have three points tonight. Point number one, fear. If you want to be a water walker, you got to learn to deal with your fear. You see, Jesus and the disciples had had a busy day. They were tired. They were exhausted. And Jesus told them, go on and get in the boat, go across, find somewhere to rest. And you have to know they were used to Jesus doing this because they didn't say, well, Lord, what about you? What are you going to do? They knew what he was going to do. What was he going to do? He was going up in the mountains to pray, to seek his father. So while they went on down, they were rowing. All of a sudden, this huge windstorm blows in. And it's blowing for hours and hours. And, and a lot of the disciples had been fishermen. They knew the danger of this. They knew the danger and they were a bit afraid. And I can just imagine they're probably going, Lord, where are you when we need you, Jesus? And he wasn't there. But you know, Jesus knew what they were going through. Jesus was there for them. And then somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., as they're rowing and they're rowing and they're doing whatever they got to do to try to safely get to the other side, they had already traveled three or four miles. That's when they looked out and they saw what they thought was a ghost. And I can only imagine they were probably like, we're going to die for sure. There's a ghost coming towards us. But that's when Jesus said, no, 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 my friend, don't fear. I am here. I'm here for you. You don't have to be afraid. I got to put these crazy glasses back on. You see, when we're driven by fear, we tend to look for comfort advice and relief everywhere but Jesus. We want a quick fix. We want an easy answer. Instead of going to the throne, we go to the phone. Anybody besides me ever been guilty of that? I have been guilty. In fact, years ago, if a crisis would come up in my life, instead of bending on my knee talking to God, I would get on the phone and I'd say to my best friend, Leslie, you're not going to believe what brother so-and-so just said to me at church and I don't know what I'm going to do. Can she really fix it? No. But over time, the Lord showed me that's wrong. Quit going to a friend Go to the friend, which is Jesus, because he's the one who can change you. Now, I'm not saying there's never a time that you can't talk to a friend. Because there are times we talk to Jesus first, and then sometimes God will say, call Shemaiah. Thank you for being here today, Shemaiah. She's one of my dear friends. She's an evangelist and a mighty woman of God. And there's times that, you know, Shemaiah may pick up the phone and she'll be like, girl, you on my heart. Or I may pick up the phone and call her and say, what's going on? I, you know, because that's what friends do for each other. But we got to we got to put God first, first and foremost. 
If you want to find the answer to your problems, my friend, you're not going to find it in a bottle. You're not going to find it in sex. You're not going to find it in things that this world tells you. Even just think positive. And I'm a very positive person. But just thinking positive is not going to change your circumstance. Tonight, God wants to set you free. He wants to deliver you from the storms in your life. And when they come, he wants to carry you, teach you to trust him so he can carry you through those storms. John 16, says, I've said these things to you that you may have peace in this world. You will have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. I'm going to tell you something. I want to tell you something, my friend. You can claim it. You can blab it. You can grab it. You can decree it and you can declare it. But if it's not God's will, it's not going to happen. You've got to know the word of God, what God says about your circumstance, what God tells you when you're walking through the storm. Well, Pastor Jan, you're a pastor. How would you know about trials and tribulations? Because us pastors, we don't have trials and tribulations, do we? Yes, we do. You see, the, dark, the devil likes to target pastors and evangelists and missionaries. I think he paints a, a, a target right here. He wants to take us out. But can I tell you, if the devil cannot destroy you, he will do everything he can to distract you. You know, if people tell you, living for Jesus, your life's going to be perfect. Oh, no, no, no. It's not going to be perfect. Living for Jesus, you're going to have trials and tribulations. I already read the scripture. You're going to have crisis. You're going to have situations. But if you are living for God, my friend, he will help you walk through those situations. One of the most heart-wrenching things I had to face two years ago was I lost my mom and dad to COVID five days apart. And I'm not saying that for y'all to go, oh, poor Pastor Jim. But I'm telling you, I know the peace speaker. I know him by name. And he is the one who has carried me. And he's helped me. You see, it's days like today. I miss my mama the most. Because it's days like today that I would have been on the phone going, mom, pray for me. I'm preaching tonight. She was my covering every missions trip I ever took. You see, I was in Thailand when COVID broke out. My mom, I mean, my husband was my prayer covering too, but my mama always prayed for every time I was going to minister to the word. And it's days like today that I miss my mom so much. But I know that I know my mom and dad are rejoicing around the throne. And as crazy as this may sound, when I was praying today, I said, Lord, if you ever let people look down from heaven, look, let my mom and dad look down tonight. Let them see that we're carrying on. We're carrying the torch of the gospel. Well, you see, the story doesn't stop there. Six months later, my brother's wife and daughter were killed in a tragic car accident. Within six months, we had two double funerals. I'd never been to a double funeral before. I've been to a million funerals. But I've never been to a double one. And then within six months, we're having two for my family. A few years ago, we had a scare. We were 
burying my sister's husband. We were heading, just already had the funeral. We were heading, had just driven up to the graveyard to bury him. And my husband gets a call from the doctor. And there was a good possibility that my husband had pancreatic cancer. And I'm going to tell you something. You better know Jesus at a time like that. You better know who to call on. You better know how to cling tight to his garment. We called our elders and said, can you come over? We need, this is after we got back home. They came. Brother Lynn, you remember this? In our living room? They encircled us and they prayed and they believed God with us. But I'm going to tell you, it was a few months before we knew whether he was, and the doctor told me, he said, Jan, I'm not going to play with you. This is a death warrant. That's not his exact words, but basically, if this is really pancreatic cancer, it's not good. And I, I, one of the ladies in our church had to, um, she lost her husband. She did not know I was walking through this because I didn't want people going, oh, Pastor Jen, what if he does have cancer? What if he dies? What, if, you know, people, well-meaning people will say some crazy things. And I did not need that. My husband did not need that. Our elders knew. Their wives, I believe, knew. But this lady said, would you go with me to the funeral home? I need you to help me walk through this process. And I was like, my God, I don't know if I can do that. This may be me in a few months. I don't know if I can do this. And I remember crying. And my husband's like, babe, I'll tell her you're not able to. And I'll meet her there. And I said, no, God's called me to do this. He will help me. But I'm going to tell you something. I drew a line, spiritually speaking, in my bedroom. I just, I did my foot across the carpet like this. And I said, God, if you choose to take my husband, I will serve you. If you choose to take him, I will not get angry at you. I will not blame you. I will love you. I will live for you all the days of my life. But God, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus, if you would see it in your will to heal him, would you heal him? And praise God, obviously, there was no cancer. So do we know about those winds and those waves that can come? Y'all could share stories, couldn't you? Amen, amen. Often the truth makes us uncomfortable. We prefer lies and illusions that make us feel more secure. But it's much better to face reality and face it with Jesus. And know the truth, because it's the truth that will set you free. If you want water-walking faith, my friend, you must choose to trust Jesus in every situation. Do not walk in fear. And the second thing is focus. Peter was scared, just like the other disciples. But once he realized it was Jesus, he cried out, Lord, if it's you. Tell me to come to you on the water. I love Peter. See, I can relate to Peter. 
I think I relate to him better than anybody else because I'm a water walker. If God tells me to do something, I'm going to get out of the boat and I'm going to do it. But just like Peter, sometimes I look to the left and I look to the right and I'm like, oh, Jesus, <laughs> save me. And that's what I love about him is even though he lost his focus temporarily as he's walking. Because see, when he's walking, I'm sorry, I got to come back down. When he is walking towards Jesus, I don't think he got out of the boat like, oh, I'm scared. I think he was like, oh, I'm getting out. I'm walking on water. I'm walking towards Jesus. And he looks at the wind. And the waves and the water begins to splash up in his face. And he says, oh, I'm going to drown. And he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, save me. The moment he cried, Lord, save me. Jesus took him by the hand and pulled him out of that pit of despair. God wants to pull you from your pair of despair tonight, my friend. You may not be drowning in water, but you're drowning in who knows what. But God wants to lift you out of that pit. He wants you to have the faith to believe whatever comes your way. God can help you. God will help you. But you can't be one of these Christians, quote unquote, that the only time you go to church is when you got a need. Well, we had a lady and I don't even remember her name. It was not in this church. So don't be looking around. <laughs> that Brother Reed, every time she walked in the doors of the church every few months, I thought, hmm, what's her crisis today? And when the altar time came, she had come to the altar. Oh, you got to pray. Well, I was real young back then. Today, if somebody did that and that was the only time they ever came to church, I would probably very lovingly say, my friend, you need to be in the house of God all the time, not just when you have a need. Because you see, I call that usership. Amber, if the only time I ever called you is when I needed something. Hey, Amber, girl, you know what? Could you spot me 20 bucks? Because I'm her pastor, one of her pastors. She'd be like, yeah, Pastor Jan, sure. Here it is. And she'd be happy to do it. I love you. And then I walk on. And next week I'm calling him. Hey, Amber, I got company coming over. Could you come clean my house for me? Well, I've never done that to anybody, by the way. But if I did, Amber, because she is a loving woman of God, she might say, well, Pastor Jen, I, I mean, I can help you, sure. And then the next week I'm asking for something else and something else. And eventually she's going to realize, what kind of friend is Pastor Jan? Oh, she, she calls me only when she wants something. Do you think she'd stay my friend very long? No. Why do we think it's okay to do that to Jesus? Lord, save me. I'm drowning. And the only time you cry out to him is when you're drowning. Now, God loves you enough that he may lift you up. But my friend, he wants that relationship with you. Not usership. He wants relationship. God is calling you to get out of your comfort zone. He's calling you to leave the bottle behind. I don't know why I feel so led to talk about that. But he's calling you to leave the alcohol behind. Because when you turn to that 
to soothe the pain, to soothe the hurt, then it becomes a habit. And a habit can become, turn into alcoholism. And I've known somebody I love very dearly in my family. My uncle was an alcoholic. And it destroyed his family. It destroyed him as a person. I mean, he continued to work. I don't know how. But he managed to work. He managed to do. But you know what? At the age of 47, he died of a massive heart attack. I prayed that he made a choice for Jesus before he died. It said he lived for an hour before he died. And I, I prayed that he made his heart right with God. Because this little redheaded girl talked to him about Jesus every time she saw him. I'd say, Uncle Harold, I love you. You need Jesus. Go to church with me today. He never would. But one time he told me, he says, baby girl, he said, I think you love me better than my own kids. But it was the love of Jesus loving him through me. I mean, I loved him as my uncle, but it was Jesus that had, even as a small child, put that in my heart. But if you're going to have a relationship with Jesus, you have to know him. You see, I know Dolly Parton. What? I met her. I did. I met her on an airplane. I was the last one to board the airplane in Nashville, and I walked on the plane, and there, lo and behold, there's Dolly Parton sitting right there. And at the time, my hair was down to here. It was all spiral curls, and I had on a black hat, and I had on a red shirt with shiny, I look like a country singer, I guess. And I saw her, and I said hi, and she said, hey, girl. And then I went and sat down in, you know, not business class, in the cheap seats. And her bodyguard later in the flight got up, and I don't know why she went to the back of the plane, but I said, I said, excuse me. She said, yes, ma'am. I said, could I go talk to Dolly? She said, ma'am, I'm not allowed to let you do that, but I will be in the restroom for a little bit. So I went up there, and I sat down, and I said, Dolly, I just wanted to meet you. She said, girl, are you a singer? Are you a singing star, too? I said, no, ma'am. I said, I'm a pastor's wife. She said, girl, then you are a star. I started out singing in my granddaddy's church. But can I tell you, just because I met her does not mean I really know her. If you saw Dolly tomorrow and you said, hey, you know Jan McIntyre? She'd say, who? She would probably not remember me other than the fact I would not let get her autograph on the front pictures of my daughters. She's like, you want to write it across her back? I said, oh, no, ma'am, that's my baby's. Let's turn it over and you write it on the back, the autograph. I think that shocked her, but, you know, that's my baby's. But anyway, I want you to understand something. There are people in this room, this, this tent tonight. You may go to church every Sunday, but it does not mean you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You may put money in the offering. Well, Lord, did you see that? I gave $20, $20 today. Woo! You may even pray. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're not going to heaven. I've often said there's going to be people in heaven. I think I'll be surprised made it there. And there's going to be some people that are not there that I'm surprised they're not there. So I just want to be as real as I can be with you tonight. 
I don't care if you've gone to church for 50 years, five years, you've never gone to church. You need a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, I believe it's Romans 8, 28, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're all sinners. We all are in need of Jesus. Isaiah 29, 13 says, and so the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips. Do you honor the Lord with your lips? But their hearts are far from me. Their worship of me is nothing but man-made rules learned by rote. Rote means habitual repetition. Habitual repetition. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. God bless auntie, uncle, and everybody else. Amen. Did I just pray? No. No. I just said something I've learned. You know, something a little while back, God dealt with me about my prayers for eating. Because it's so easy to say, Lord, thank you for this food. I pray you bless it to the nourishment of my body. Use the vitamins to strengthen me. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. And that can become just a habit where I'm not really praying. I'm just saying something. But if I said to my darling husband, I love you, Tim McIntyre. You're just wonderful. See you later today. Would he feel loved? But if I said, baby, I love you. Thank you for being the most amazing, wonderful husband, my cheerleader, my love. He's going to feel that. And God wants us to have that kind of relationship with him. That we're not just saying rote prayers. We're actually talking, communicating with God, the creator of heaven and earth. You got to have that relationship. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead. You will what? Be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. When Jesus comes into your heart, he washes away those sins. It's just as if you never sinned. Hallelujah. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and you are saved. In just a few moments, if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, and there are several of you tonight, we're going to open up these altars in just a little bit and give you opportunity to do that. Can I tell you, my friend, it is the greatest, most important decision. Young people, it's the most important decision you will ever make in your life. But I'm going to tell you something. Living for Jesus is no cakewalk. The Bible, the Bible says, consider the cost. We have to take up our cross and follow him. But when you're living for him and you are facing the wind and the waves of this world, you can go to him and you can trust him. You can know that he has got your back. And sometimes God does what I call the ultimate healing. Instead of raising my mom and dad up, he took them home. And I was okay with that because I said, Lord, your will be done. When we found out that my daddy was not going to live, Shemaiah called me, one of my few friends that actually called me. 
And she said, Jan, how do you want me to pray? And I said, pray that God will take my mom too. She said, what? I said, my mom does not want to live without my dad. She's already said, we had already made plans for her to come be with us. And she said, Jan, I don't want to live without my baby. I can't live without my baby. And then when I told Shemai that, she said, all right, then that's how we pray. And five days after my dad's passing, God took my mom and we had the most beautiful celebration of life for them. So as a believer, God will answer your prayers always. Well, Pastor Jan, he's not answered this, that, and this. Yes. He always says yes, no, or wait. And sometimes it's that waiting we don't like. But my friend, it's worth the wait. If you want to have water walking kind of faith, you must choose not only to deal with fear, but you must choose to focus. Keep your focus on him. And if you notice you're starting to go this way or this way, get your focus right back on him. And we do that by spending time with him every day through the word of God. Oh, Pastor Jan, I don't have time to pray. I mean, I don't have time to read, but I pray. Uh, user, I tell it like it is, y'all. If all you ever do is pray, but you never take time for the word of God, you're, you're not really developing that relationship with God. Remember Amber? The only time I call her, hey girl, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. Hey, come clean my house. Hey, can you give me that? Can you do that? Hey girl, I'm broke down. Come pick me up. And, and I've asked like five weeks in a row and she's like, um, Pastor Jan, I'm so much as I'd love to help you. I can't do that. We don't want to use God. We want relationship with him. Spend time with him in the word of God. Well, Pastor Jan, you don't understand. I struggle reading. Guess what? That's not an issue anymore. Get you version on your phone. Y-O-U-V-E-R-S-I-O-N. It will read to you. There's no excuse in the world today. No excuse for you not to spend time in the word. And powerful, pray the word of God. When God speaks something to you, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God, I thank you. You've given me the ability to stand strong today and bring this word because you are my source of strength. Pray the word of God. Hallelujah. You want that water kind of walk in faith? Deal with your fear. Learn to focus. And number three, faith. You must have faith. Matthew 17, 20, and I'm going to read from the Amplified Version. It says, he answered, because of your little faith, your lack of trust and confidence in the power of God. For I assure you and most solemnly say to you, if you have living faith, the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and if it is God's will, it will move, and nothing shall be impossible. Come on, somebody. Can you even see? I've got probably about 30, 40 mustard seeds in here. Can you see them? No, because they're so tiny. It's one of the smallest. I thought it was the smallest seed, but I heard the other day there's one smaller. And I would tell you what it is, but I don't remember. 
But it's one of the smallest seeds there is. But when you plant the mustard seed, it's itty bitty and it begins to grow and grow and grow. And then it's like a big bush, like a big shade in the garden. It's huge. But it starts out as a tiny little seed. Faith of a mustard seed. You know, some people feel like, oh, I just got to have this big, big faith. You just got to know Jesus, have relationship with him and trust him. Storms will come in our lives, but God wants to be with you in that storm. He desires to walk through the storms with you. But if you want Jesus walking through the storms, you need to have that relationship with him. It's in times of storms that we can either grow, we can fall apart, or we can grow closer to God. It's your choice. There's a mantra that I've said so many times for the last several years when a situation rises up. God, I don't like this. Lord, I don't understand it. But what I know, I trust you, Jesus. Jesus is real, my friend. He's calling you to take a step of faith tonight. He's saying, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. I want to end with this illustration. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. You can go to people to try to find your answer. You can go to the bottle. You can go to the club. And those things may temporarily bring satisfaction to your life. But did you hear the word temporary? Temporarily, you may find fun. But eventually, it'll come back to bite you. Sin has a way of destroying you. If sin wasn't fun, nobody would do it. The Bible says sin is fun, but for a season. But after that season, my friend, it will bite you and it'll bite you hard. Have you ever felt like you're reach reaching the breaking point and you don't know what to do? I've been there. I've been there. Can y'all see this egg? This egg serves no purpose unless it's broken open. Oh, but Pastor Jan, if the mama hen sits on it, a baby chick is going to come from it. But even then, the baby chick cannot be born until it breaks out of the shell. I think of when I gave birth to my daughters. I have two redheaded daughters. I could not give birth to them till the water was broken. But I want to tell you tonight, my friend. God wants to take those broken pieces in your life. He wants to bring healing, restoration, wholeness. Some of you have been holding on to past hurts. Pastor Jan, you don't understand what he said to me. You don't know what she did to me. 
Some of you are carrying bitterness in your heart from what that white person said to you. Can I tell you, my friend, I have pencil lead in my leg to this day from where I'm not going to say her name because we are on the Internet. But in seventh grade, my first day in seventh grade, I was the only white child in an all black class. And the teacher told me to go sit in this desk. I sat down. The young lady in front of me went to the pencil sharpener, sharpened her pencil as sharp as she could get it. She sat down and jabbed it in my leg and said, I don't want a stinking white honky sitting behind me. I could hold on to that. And I could be like, well, all black people are like that. And how wrong would I be? Because the truth is, my brothers and my sisters, you're no different from me. You just got a better tan. You got a better tan. But God wants to touch some hearts tonight. I want to tell you this. And then we're going to go to the altar time. When my parents and my family moved to pastor in Dawson, Georgia, and when my mom found, found out that we were going to be going to pretty much a predominantly African-American school. Now, when I was in seventh grade, I probably looked like I was in maybe fourth grade because I was 70 pounds. I was tiny, itty bitty thing. And my mom's like, dear God, how can I let my baby go to school like that? She, not because she didn't like black people, but she knew there could be danger there. And, and the type of school it was, yes, there could be. Very much so. But God spoke to her heart and he said, Linda Leverett, how will you ever let your daughter grow up and go to Africa if you cannot let her go to school with African-American children? And my mom said God gave her the peace to know I was going to be okay. So I don't know what hurts you may have. I don't know what somebody said to you, sweet lady. I don't know what's been done to you. But what I know is God loves you. God wants to take your life and do something amazing with it. The other night, one of the pastors quoted Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. And we want to stop there and go, yes, hallelujah. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you got to read on where it says we have got to spend time in his presence. When we see his face, he will be found by us, declares the Lord. Would everybody stand to your feet? Now, I'm kind of like Pastor Jamie. He was here on Sunday. If you weren't here, that's okay. But if you were, you know what I'm talking about. I'm not going to ask you to bow your head. I'm not going to just, I, I'm, I'm just going to ask you. If tonight you would say, Pastor Jan, I need Jesus. I don't care if you've been going to church since you were two years old, but you've not really committed your life to Jesus Christ. Or maybe you have and you've backslidden. You've moved away from living for the God the way he wants you to live. Now I want to tell you something. Don't come down here. If you're just going to come down here and shed a few tears, and then you're going to go back home and start living like you did. 
Because that doesn't do anything but harden your heart further away from God. But if you would say, Pastor Jan, I want to know Jesus. I want him to come into my life. I recognize I am a sinner and I need a Savior. I can't think of a better day than Good Friday to commit your life to Jesus Christ. I don't care if you're a deacon. I don't care if you're an elder. I don't care if you're a pastor. If there's sin in your life, I'm going to ask you to come down. One, start moving. Two, get ready. And three, would you come to this altar right now? I know God will meet you here. I want to pray with you. I know God is dealing with hearts. Come on. I'm not going to tarry long. I'm not going to beg. But you know you need to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, God. Father, you know the people that are here. You know what they need, Lord God. Move by the power of your spirit. Speak to hearts. Hallelujah. Pastor Tim, Lynn, hallelujah. God loves you, my friend. Hallelujah. The Lord told me to start with one. Come on, it takes boldness. But if you can't live for Jesus under this tent, you sure enough not going to live for him out in the world. Come on, somebody. God is calling you, but you're afraid to go. Don't be afraid. Jesus wants to touch you and change your life. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Oh, God, pour out your spirit in this place. You may be a backslidden preacher's kid. I was one of those. I walked away from the Lord for a year. But God got my attention. And I've never regretted it. I've never regretted it. Come on. There's somebody else. God is speaking to your heart. Hallelujah, Jesus. Don't let the color of my skin keep you from coming to God. Don't let my red hair keep you from coming to God. Don't let your pride keep you from coming to God. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Just as you Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, God. There's somebody else I know. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hallelujah, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Have your way, God. Have your way, Lord. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Come My God, my God, my God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come just as you are. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. So come just as you are. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come and 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Everlasting and strength for today. Come on, there's room at the altar for you. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus.